0: Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider is our special show with former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, Jeff Diamond. He takes us through uh, what really goes on in front offices, how the salary cap actually works. He's been great breaking down salary cap issues and uh, predicting Vikings moves ever since we've been doing the show. And it's been quite a long time now. Of course, we'll talk about the conference championships, but we want to start with some Vikings news and speculation. Uh, What might be happening first, what the roadmap might be and whether Kirk Cousins has to be the first domino to fall. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We want to thank White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Uh, want to let you know if you like this show or any show at talktork.com, best way to listen, subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It is also free. Uh, thanks to our producers, Davide and Brandon. We appreciate their work. And again, you can find all of our podcasts at talkdoor.com, including the Viking Update Show. All right, Jeff, for today... Let's start with the Vikings roadmap and Kirk Cousins. Does Kirk Cousins' decision, uh, the mutual decision between him and the Vikings, whether he'll be back next year, does that have to be the first domino or, or can they do other business while that is getting sorted out?
1: Well, I think they can do other business, Jim. I think they could certainly work on Justin Jefferson's extension, get that finalized, and we're going to talk about that next week. In terms of what I think is going to happen there, uh, but but they can pick up an extra ten million dollars in cap relief by getting Justin's deal done because he's got a nineteen point seven million dollar fifth year option, and so with a, with a new contract with a big signing bonus, they could get that cap number down by ten million. They're sitting right now with between twenty five and thirty million dollars of cap room, which is a good situation compared to where they've been in the past when they've always been basically fighting to get under the cap by the start of the league year in March. So they're in a good position. But, yeah, I think they can do other business, but I think Cousins is really the key domino to fall here because they know they've got Jefferson under contract for another year, and they've even got the franchise tag in their back pocket for for 2025 if they needed it. Now, I, I don't think they're going to go there. As I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But in terms of Cousins, the decision – is pretty clear cut. You re-sign him. He can't be franchised. So you want to get if you're going to bring him back, you want to get something done before March 11th, which is the start of free agency, and it's basically about six weeks away. The clock is ticking for Quasi Adolfo Menza. and so I'm sure they've already decided that yes, they want him back, or no, they're going to go a different direction. But in my opinion, I, I think it's it certainly makes sense, and we've talked about this before. To re-sign cousins on a, a two year extension, whether you fully guarantee it or not, at about 45 million a year, because it's going to take that money to get him done. I don't I don't know that they have to go to fifty uh when he's coming off the Achilles, but there are gonna be teams that are potentially interested in him that have pretty good talent around them. And and one of them that's been speculated is the Atlanta Falcons where they've had trouble with Ritter and Heineke and Belichick and Harbaugh are interviewing there. And, and you know that if, if they t- t- took that job, that they would want to get a, a more established quarterback. Cousins is the best quarterback on the free agent market. He and Baker Mayfield and uh, Cousins is, is certainly has a better pedigree than Baker, even though he had a pretty good season, but it looks like he's going to resign in Tampa. The rest of the free agent crop is pretty weak when you're talking about guys like Gardner Minshew, Ryan Tannehill, Jake Browning, Mason Rudolph, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett. So you can see that for the quarterback needy teams, and a lot of them are looking at the draft, certainly, but they may want a bridge starter, as was the case with Mahomes, with Alex Smith, as we've talked about. So to me, if you want to get Cousins back, you better get him signed before free agency starts. And the other thing about Atlanta, Jim, is that Kirk's wife, Julie, is from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's a little bit scary, too, I'm sure, in that regard. But we know we know Kirk wants to be here. He's got a great su- supporting cast of skill players with, with Jefferson and Hawkinson and Addison, uh, an offensive line that needs to play better but has a lot of high draft picks. And then you talk about, in terms of him knowing the offense, having a good connection with O'Connell, it all makes sense that he comes back for a couple of years. The difficulty is going to be if if all of a sudden he wants a third year guaranteed. And that was the problem, I think, getting the deal done last year. So we'll see how that plays out. But I I still think drafting, drafting a quarterback in the first round makes the most sense and bringing cousins back to start for one or two years maybe even three years. I worked for Jordan Love this year in Green Bay after backing up Rodgers. So I think that is what makes the most sense and get a really good young quarterback in here, better than Jaron Hall, and have a better backup situation than they had with Dobbs and Mullins. I think that's the first domino to fall. And also a reminder, if they they let Cousins leave, they're going to be hit with a $28.5 million dead money hit on their cap whereas if they re-sign him, they can probably get that cap number down closer to about $20 million where it was last year. So there are a lot of moving parts, definitely, and, and certainly his Achilles injury p- plays into it. It could soften the market, but maybe not because players have recovered and come back very well from the Achilles. And so, yeah, I think that's the first thing to fall. And then looking at the roadmap, definitely Daniil Hunter has to be very high on the to-do list.
0: Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, Fascinating numbers you put out there because a lot of people talk around the Kirk Cousins issues. Uh, One of the things I love about having you on this network is you can get into specifics. You understand the cap. You understand what's logical. And two years, $90 million. Of course, that's a lot of money, but that's doable, isn't it? I mean, that wouldn't crush them to pay that.
1: No, it wouldn't. And you got to figure that's that's the kind of number that's in Kirk's in Kirk's mind when Daniel Jones is making $40 million a yep. year and and you think about all these younger quarterbacks that have signed for 50-plus, Burrow, Herbert, Hertz, Lamar, Jackson. But I think that Kirk understands that the Vikings probably don't want to go to 50, but they'd probably go to 45. That would make sense in my mind to get the deal done. But as I said, I think the, the issue is going to be, is there another team out there that's going to offer him three years and higher guarantees. But I think the Vikings would probably be willing to guarantee the next two years and and still go out there and draft draft a quarterback in the first round with the number 11 pick. So as I said, I think that all makes sense. And then you look at who could they get at number 11 and may, they may have to move up a little bit, but they don't have a lot of draft picks to move up. And so Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels are going to be gone probably in the top five. So it could be J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Could be the next guys, and maybe one of those guys is a a, a player they target. Penix might scare them since he's 24 years old, but I I wouldn't let it scare me, other than the fact he didn't play very well in in the college football championship against Michigan. but. You can put part of that on his offensive line. And and J.J. McCarthy is a really interesting prospect, too. I, I, I like what I've seen out of him. So I think that there are a lot of interesting things that can happen. And as I said, then you talk about Daniel Hunter. And I think when, you, when we talk about the roadmap, how do the Vikings improve this offseason to have a return to the playoffs in a division that I think might be the best in the NFL next year or, or right up there with perhaps the AFC North, the NFC North, you got Detroit's in the Final Four and, and has a lot of young talent on that team. They've drafted really well the last few years, uh, certainly an incentive for Kwesi for to hit on more draft picks than he has in his first two drafts. We, we already know that the d- semi-disaster that the 2022 draft was was, was seen in Booth and Asamoah. Uh, they, they did get Ty Chandler out of that, Ed Ingram, but in the 2023 draft, so far the only player is Jordan Aston, a really good player. Blackman did some good things early, not so good late at corner. Maybe Ward and Roy can be players. Jaron Hall, uh, I, I, I can't get real excited about him. So the Vikings, in order to keep pace with the Lions and the Packers, and then you add the Bears in the equation – they won four of their last six games, and they've got two picks in the top ten, including the number one overall. So, And they could pick up more picks if they decide to, to move Justin Fields. The Bears are, are kind of scary what's going on there. The Vikings really have to do a good job in free agency, in the draft, and they really can't afford to lose their star players. And that's where, again, we circle back to Cousins. We circle back to Hunter and guys like D.J. Wanham. is a a player that the Vikings, I think it's a a must sign for them. He's their best defensive player, and they've got several other starters that are potential free agents, guys like Jordan Hicks, that are in the equation. They have to figure out what what to do with with some of these guys. D.J. Wanham had eight sacks this year, and he's coming off that quad injury, so maybe they can get him re-signed. And let Davenport go, who was a, a bad free agent signing. They can't make mistakes like that in free agency, putting thirteen million dollars towards Davenport and he only played four games. But Hunter in particular gotta find a way to get him done. I think it's gonna cost in the range of twenty-five, maybe a little more, twenty-five million a year, which is kind of where several guys like Max Crosby, Bradley Chubb are. I don't I don't think they have to go to to the 30-plus where Nick Bosa is, but it, they may have to go to 27 where Joey Bosa is. And and you talk about Daniil, 16 and a half sacks, his best season sack-wise, and he le- leads the league with 23 tackles for loss. He's been healthy for two years. I think he's a much signed. I think he wants to be here. It, it looks like Brian Flores is going to be staying, and, and I think Hunter likes playing under Flores, as, as do the other players, but they got to get Flores more talent. And again, that's where we circle back to free agency, to the draft, and especially the cornerback position that ended up being a big part of their undoing at the end of the season.
0: So might be a little early to take any mock drafts seriously, but there are some interesting ideas floating around there from people who are fairly credible at doing this. Let's get into that next. First of all, we do want to thank White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. The White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC with my great friend, owner Paul Rubin, General Manager Charlie Guttrell, their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection, and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, Lakesuperstore.com, and you will see $3,500 purchase allowance plus $2,500 trade assistance on 2023 and 2024 GMC era 1500s. 1.9% 1.9% APR plus up to a $1,750 purchase allowance on 2023 Buick Envisions. 1.9% APR plus a $500 purchase allowance on 2024 GMC Terrains. And the world's first all electric super truck, the GMC Hummer EV pickup and SUV. The Wiper Lake Superstore is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite deal. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade.
0: Again, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We also wanna thank longtime sponsor Platinum Bank.
1: Happy to talk about our great sponsor Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder have been for several years and have personally experienced tremendous customer service, working with Executive VP Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.PlatinumBankMN.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream.
0: Uh, thanks again to White Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. So I watched Mel Kuyper's first big production draft, and what I found interesting, and I don't take these things too seriously, but there are interesting ideas you can glean from them, is that he and a few other people I've seen have the Vikings taking defense, and that's logical the way their defense performed, right? Uh, we see that, as you said, uh, Williams, May, and Daniels go quickly, not in that order necessarily, uh, but they all go quickly, maybe even first three picks, and then there seems to be a drop off to the next tier of quarterbacks. And it looks like you know if if the mock drafts are end up being anything accurate, you, the Vikings could have a chance at McCarthy, Penix, Nix or anybody else also they might even get one of those guys in the second round
1: yeah the trouble is i I don't think they have a second round pick right now
0: (laughs) well yeah but they could trade up i mean if they really love somebody yeah,
1: yeah definitely they could and it's okay that they don't i think it's from from the hawkinson trade still perhaps but anyway the yeah i think that that in terms of expecting those guys to fall that far that that's a risky proposition it is if you really like a quarterback and you haven't been able to draft this high in many years, and so this is an opportunity, even though they actually were at 12, whatever, two years ago, and then they traded out of that spot, uh, as, our, as our friend Mark Craig likes to point out, <laughs> and all the players they passed up. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton, Trent McDuffie, yep. two, two guys who are, who are all pros in the secondary and, and wow, could they use their, especially McDuffie at a corner? Yeah, and Hamilton was a great safety, but McDuffie in particular, who who shut down Stefan Diggs the other night for for the Chiefs in that big win. But yeah, I think it, it, it's risky if you if you like a quarterback and maybe they can stay at eleven and not have to use other draft capital to move up. But if they, if they really like one of those quarterbacks and they think and. O'Connell thinks that he can develop, say, a McCarthy over a couple of years or a Penix, or a Knicks, then you got to you got to grab them. And I think this is the year to do it when when Kirk's going to be turning 36 years old, coming off an injury and, and all the difficulties they had in their backup quarterback position last year. Time time to get it done.
0: Yeah, I agree. I- I've liked Penix all year. I thought he had a spectacular regular season, and then he did not play very well against a very good Michigan defense. He got beat up in that championship game. How much do you think that hurt, that one game will hurt his draft stock?
1: I think it could to a certain extent because it showed when he was under pressure, he wasn't make, necessarily making great throws, great decisions, and scrabbling a, a, away from, from pressure. But Michigan was just so dominant defensively this year and, and in that game. And so I think that certainly the NFL scouts and GMs will look at his total body of work, but that's going to play into it. And it could knock him down a little bit, definitely.
0: Joe Barry out as the defensive coordinator in Green Bay. I had somebody bring this up to me the other day. said, yeah, everybody, and this is a Vikings fan perspective, but I'm interested in your perspective on it. said, yeah, the Packers had a great last month or two here in the regular season. They coached the heck out of them. Love looked great. They have very young, skill position players. Uh, but, you know, this person I was talking to who was involved with the NFL said, hey, you know, progress isn't always linear. Just because you're young doesn't mean you're going to be even better next year or the year after. Where do you fall on that? Do you see the Packers as building something really special, or do they just have a couple of good months here?
1: Well, I, I think that they are building something. I, I don't know how special necessarily because I think they – their their defense played okay at the end of the season but they were still a little bit shaky and but certainly having Jordan Love been groomed for a couple through the 3 years and then stepping in and playing so well down the stretch until that ill-fated last throw across the field that was picked off by by the by the Niners that unfortunately will stay with the, the Packers and stay with him through the off season Because he knows he can't make that throw, and he says so after the game. Just, again, that's that's something that that he'll learn from. But I I think the Packers are are a solid team. I think the surprising thing for them was how well their offensive line played at the end of the season when Bakhtiari went out, and, and yet they really solidified well. Tells me there's some really good coaching going on there on that offensive side. And whether the defense has to be tweaked that, that could well be, but they do have talented players on defense too with, with guys like like uh, Jair Alexander and, and uh, Rashawn Gary. So I, I think the Packers are formidable. Uh, they, they could well have beaten San Francisco without that missed field goal was a big factor, and they, and they put some pressure on Purdy early, but he did lead the, the late drive for the win. But I'm sure the 49ers feel fortunate to have gotten out of that one alive and as I said, the NFC North is tough and, and only getting tougher. So, But, yeah, I think, I think the Packers are, are a solid team, and, and they're going to be in the hunt for the division title. But I, I really believe that with the right moves, that the Vikings can, can be in that mix for the division title next, as soon as next year. And, and I think the moves, as we've talked about, with this roadmap, you get Cousins signed, you get Hunter signed, you get Jefferson extended to help with your cap situation. You get Hawkinson healthy in, in his rehab. You fix the running game and the pass, pass protection issues by maybe drafting some better interior offensive lineman help and and uh, and you make Ty Chandler the starter and, and Madison's the backup. And then you fix that that cornerback situation that is really, really a problem and and hope that the young safeties can develop further. Josh Mattel made a lot of big plays this year, but he also got beat a few times, or more than a few times. Same thing with Cam Bynum. Uh, Sometimes the Vikings were too soft in coverage, especially on the corners with Blackman and and Caleb Evans. I I don't really know what to make of him at this point. He looked like a a quality player last year and, and early this year, perhaps, but then he really fell apart at the end of the year. I think he lost confidence when he got beat by T. Higgins a couple times in that Cincinnati loss that was costly. Blackman gives up the winning touchdown against Cortland Sutton in Denver. Those corners just have to be better, and, and maybe they need more physical corners, bigger corners, to be able to, to match up with some of these big receivers out there. So, I, I, And I think what, what I'm going to be really interested in watching, if Harrison Smith retires, and that could pick up another $11 million of cap room for the Vikings, it sounds like it's going to be Harrison's decision. He's had a tremendous career, but if he does hang it up, then, then Lewis seems going to have an opportunity in his third season to show what they thought was worthy of a first-round pick. I don't know what the deal is with him, whether he just hasn't picked up the system, or certainly he had to come off that that really bad, broken leg he had, but... We'll see what happens with seeing Andrew Booth. I just haven't seen enough from him to get excited about, and he has a problem staying healthy too. So bottom line, they've got to hit the free, hit free agency in the draft hard to improve the talent level in the secondary, especially a corner. They only had five interceptions from their cornerback group. And, and Byron Murphy Jr., I, I think he, he's a pretty good player, but I don't know that he's you necessarily want him as your number one corner. I think he's a, he's a he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player, so... A lot, of, a lot of, as we said, a lot of moving parts in the roadmap. They also have to get Greg Joseph re-signed if they choose to do that. He had an up-and-down year but finished really strong. I think he made his last 15 kicks. Ryan Rice got a punt better than he did last year. He was really good as a rookie, and so we'll see. But I think it's going to be really, as I said, an interesting off season, and it's going to have to start really quick with what's going on.
0: No doubt. Uh, we have so many more off-season topics to get to, uh, both League and Vikings, and we will continue to get to them every week on this show. For now, let's talk about the two conference championship games. Uh, fascinating games. By the way, also, programming note on the John Krasinski show. John does our, our Timberwolves and NBA show at TalkNorth.com. We're going to have Chris Finch come out for a live show February 3rd, Friday night at Headflyer Flyer Brewing. We'll get you more details, but if you're interested in the Wolves, uh, or Chris Finch, who's a great guy, uh, come out and join us. It's always a big crowd and always a great show at Head Flyer, and with Chris Finch, there, it'll be even bigger. Uh, so thanks to Chris, uh, and thanks to everybody in advance for uh, coming out to that show. But right now, let's start with the NFC North team remaining. Do the Lions have a chance in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, I think they do, Jim. I think that you talk about the firepower they have on offense with, with Goff playing well. We'll see if the 49ers can put pressure on him, which could produce some turnovers. I kind of expect that to happen. But if he plays a clean game, and Amon Ross St. Brown is, is a star receiver. We know he makes big plays. The last touchdown pass, kind of that corner route in the end. So what a beautiful throw by Goff. Great catch by St. Brown. Jameer Gibbs, uh, people kind of criticize that pick when the Lions made it. He's turning into a, a heck of a <laughs> exciting running back. And and Laporta, a great offensive line, but they're going to be missing starting guard Jonah Jackson. I think that the Lions' downfall is going to be their secondary, especially their corner situation. They gave up 349 yards passing to Baker Mayfield, three touchdown passes, but they did have a couple interceptions, including that bad last throw by by Baker. And to me, for the Lions to win this game, Aiden Hutchinson – who has been great in the two playoff games. He's got three sacks and a ton of pressures. He's got to be fantastic this week against San Francisco to have a chance. But the the 49ers' corners have not been playing great either, and Jordan Love made some big plays against them. I think the Lions have a chance if they don't turn the ball over, and and if Devo Samuel is out or limited with that shoulder injury, it really helps Detroit's chances, just as the Vikings – were help when when Samuel was gone in, in the October game when the Vikings had their biggest win of the season here. And and so I, I do think the pressure's on the 49ers' defense. As I said, gave up some big plays last week, gave up 108 yards rushing to Aaron Jones. The Lions have even a better rushing attack. And and it, then it comes to Brock Purdy. Can he play really well on the big stage? And, and he didn't play great early in the game against Green Bay, but he led the game-winning drive. He's got to be really consistent. So, uh, if we're ready to make our predictions, yes, uh, I'm going to say that San Francisco's defense forces a couple of golf turnovers. Nick Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead, that whole group on defense. Chase Young, I, I think that they they're I think probably the key to the game if they can get pressure on golf and and then the offense. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, even if Samuel is limited, those two guys are are playmakers. Purdy, if he doesn't make mistakes I think they'll make enough plays I think it'll be a close game I see I'm going to call it about 31 to 24 the 49ers really highly motivated they've lost in the NFC championship the last two years and want to get back to the to the to a Super Bowl that they haven't been to uh, in a long time so I'm picking San Francisco but it wouldn't surprise me if Detroit pulled the upset and that would be a great story even though it'd be a little bit scary for the Vikings to have, have the lions enter 2024 with that much confidence.
0: Uh, Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, And one of the most interesting stats of the week is the fact that, uh, that Jared Goff's career numbers against the 49ers are terrible. They've always played well against Goff. I, on our Viking update show, I actually picked the lions to win this game. Uh, I think if Sam, Samuel is right now trending to play, but if, when he's not in that lineup, they just become much easier to guard. Uh, they just do. And and to talk about both games at once as we transition to Chiefs-Ravens, I also th- found it very interesting that both number one seeds, after a week off playing at home against teams they should have beaten handily, looked horrible in the first half. Then the Ravens turned it on big time second half, and the 49ers did enough to win. But neither team looked sharp early on last week.
1: No, they didn't. But I, I expect Baltimore kind of got over that yeah. and and Lamar Jackson played played great in the second half. As we know, ends up with two touchdown passes, two rushing touchdowns. What a great matchup that is. Exciting to have Mahomes against Jackson yep. in the AFC title game, talking about really MVPs for the for the last several years. And the Chiefs are really showed their kind of their championship pedigree, shall we say. By by finding a way to get it done in Buffalo, they obviously were aided by the missed field goal. But I think people are are maybe putting too much on that that missed by Tyler Bass because the the fact of the matter is that Patrick Mahomes would have got the ball back yep. in a, a game with, with about a minute and a half to go, and it, it's certainly likely that he would have taken them down the field to the winning touchdown. Kelsey made some big plays in the game, and but that Baltimore defense that held stroud to only three points cj stroud the offensive rookie of the year who is going to be and and 213 total yards for the texans after they ran wild on cleveland who had the number one defense in the league i thought that was really impressive what baltimore did defensively they are just so tough uh with 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 the players at every level that they've got uh, on that team and and especially when you talk about Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen at linebacker, Hamilton in the secondary, they've got playmakers all over that defense. And, and to me, playing at home for Baltimore, I think this is, it just feels like their year and their time and, and Lamar Jackson's time to get it done. We know they've already beaten the 49ers in San Francisco. Not to say that that's a, a lock if they meet in the Super Bowl, but I, I think the Ravens have enough to get this done defensively against kansas city to slow down pacheco in the running game which has been a big factor obviously for mahomes and the chiefs and i think they can cover those those uh those chief receivers and figure out a way they're they're a smart smart team they'll figure out a way to not eliminate kelsey but but neutralize him or contain him to a a certain extent and so i like baltimore in this game but it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. <laughs> we know that, but I'm going to take both.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take gonna... both. I'm going to take both road teams. I don't know why. Just ma- ma- mainly because I think the 49ers have not played well for about a month now. It just looks like they're a little off. I'm not. I'm not as sold on Purdy today as I was a month ago. And I just love Patrick Mahomes in a big game. So those are my picks. Uh, hey, great stuff, Jeff. We will continue to break down Vikings possibilities, salary cap ramifications, how it all actually works behind the scenes, uh, that two, two years for $90 million, uh, projection you put on cousins makes all the sense in the world. Uh, I I look forward to that coming true. Uh, so Hey, thanks Jeff. Appreciate it. Enjoy the championship games. We'll talk next week.